again, just humble hearts for you to teach us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be willing, God, for all that you want to say to us, that we'd hear with all of our being, and that we would be doers of your word and not merely hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we're almost at Christmas, and I appreciate Todd uh, leading us in some Christmas hymns, carols. I know it's not his favorite music to do, but I appreciate him doing that for us. And, um, and, I, and I'm still working through 1 Corinthians. I haven't forgotten what, kind of, what time of year it is. Um, but next week, um, we'll part from, from 1 Corinthians and focus on, on Christmas. Um, this is, again, spiritual gifts, a big topic here in 1 Corinthians. Three chapters devoted to it, 12, 13, and 14. There's one of four places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are mentioned. It's also mentioned in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. So it's a pretty significant subject in the New Testament. There's a a lot that Paul has to say about it here. And um, as much as he says about spiritual gifts, he's not going to answer every question we have. I wish that he had, um, but he doesn't. He, um, it's not even for certain that we know all the gifts that God gives because the four lists that are in the New Testament, none of those four lists are the same. And so you don't get a sense when you read those lists that this is a comprehensive list of the gifts. So there may very well be other gifts that God gives to the body of Christ that are not mentioned in those four places. We just really don't know. We don't know if, if people receive more than one gift. That's always a question. You know, we, you know, everybody has at least one, but do we receive more? We, he doesn't address that question. So there's not every question answered, but there is a lot that he has to say. And one of the basic things that we're going to see as we look at the spiritual gifts is not only do we all have a gift, but nobody would have all of them. Even if there are more than one that a person would have, nobody has all of them. Therefore, we need the body of Christ. And we are not going to be ministered to as completely as God would have if we aren't around other believers and regularly fellowshipping with them. I like to think you know, that we are complete in Christ. Scripture is very emphatic on that. And when we were given Christ, we, were, we are not in need of anything else. Um, He is the all in all, um, and you can't have more than all. And so when we've been given Christ, we've been given everything. And yet in the Lord's ministry to us, the one who is the all in all, the one who has made us complete, He chooses to minister to us through the body of Christ and through His Word. So though we need only Jesus, Jesus is supplying our need through His body and through His Word. And, and, and so we can't um, overemphasize that Christ is the one who makes us complete, and He is our only need. And yet we can't negate the truth that God uses His people and His Word to minister to us. And so that's what this is about. You know, some people are really put together pretty well, and you, know, and you get to know them, you think, does this person need anything? Does this person need anybody? I heard a testimony recently 
Um, and I... (laughs) And I almost was, was, I was having to keep myself from just kind of laughing out loud because this young man who was sharing his testimony was basically, in the first front end of it, you were just, I'm just going, does this guy have need of anything? Because it sounded like he was just saying to us that he was, I mean, he, he just, he said, he, he, he says, I, God has blessed me. I, he says, God has made me smart. He's given me intellect. God made me popular. I was the most popular kid going all the way through school. They, there were fan clubs, you know, with, with me, you know, I had fans. I mean, he was just saying all this. And, and, um, and he says, I'm popular, I am smart, um, I am athletic, I was born into a wealthy family, and, and I'm just sitting back going, I'm wondering when he's going to say that God's also blessed him with humility, because obviously he's been <laughs> blessed with everything else. But the truth is, and I know he knows this, and he got around to it, that's only the grace of God that he's been as blessed as he is. But the truth is, there is nobody who is so put together that they don't need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ, every single one of us. No matter how gifted, how blessed we might be, we will never be so gifted or so blessed that we can just be autonomous, independent people. God has constituted us in such a way that we need the body of Jesus. And that will never change. So he starts out here writing to the Corinthians. And keep in mind, the whole thing that Paul's been kind of just drilling down with this church is, you're not the big stuff you think that you are. And, and he's been, been hammering it that he preaches Christ, he wants to be a partaker of the gospel, and, and trying to bring these people back to that, that place of humility and their recognition of their need for Jesus, and they're not just so filled with themselves. Now, that's the backdrop here for this, now these chapters on spiritual gifts. Because they, some of them at least, quite a few of them apparently, were thinking that they were pretty big stuff because of one gift in particular, the gift of tongues. And a lot of this church is speaking in tongues. And, and so he's going to spend a big part of chapter 14 talking about that particular subject. He introduces it here in chapter 12. And it raises the question, because here the, already Paul has been talking about this church in Corinth is, is very carnal. Remember back in in chapter 3, I cannot talk to you as to spiritual men. I have to talk to you as to babes, as to those who are carnal. So these are immature, carnal people. Okay, don't forget that. And in their immaturity and carnality, they are all trying to speak in tongues. That just happens to be the, the gift that they were focusing on. The issue wasn't the tongues per se, but they were all wanting that one gift. And it would seem, presumably, that a lot of those people were speaking in tongues, and this is going to sound controversial, but it wasn't their gift. And so that begins to raise the question, well, how can you exercise a gift that you don't even have? Because see, Paul's going to make a big thing here that he never intended for every member in a church to have the same gift. That's not normal. That's an abnormality. And yet this church, many of them are seeking to speak in tongues and are speaking in tongues. So even if it's 
not true that you could exercise a gift that you don't have. And I think it is true where Paul's going with this, that you can actually seek to exercise a gift that you do not possess. But what is clear is that Paul is saying that if, even if it is your gift, gift of tongues, gift of service, gift of administration, that whatever your gift is, you can function in that gift independent of the Spirit of God. It is all you. And it isn't Jesus. It is carnal. And, and he's going to give us some information here, some tests as it were, when you can see whether the source of this gift is you or is it Jesus. So, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So we need to know about them. And again, I'm doing a lot of, Major Thomas used to call it donkey work, where you're just doing all the background prep before you actually get into the text. But, you, but I do not want you to be unaware. Concerning spiritual gifts, don't be unaware. Okay? And now he's going to plow into this, but I, but I want you to, to be aware of what the unaware is about. And it's not that he's saying that you don't know their spiritual gifts. Clearly they know their spiritual gifts. That's not his topic. Let me introduce something to you you've never heard before. These people know about spiritual gifts. Where he's going to go with this is what is to be the motivation of the gift, the nature of the gifts, what is the purpose of the gifts. And that is something that they're missing out on. And I would just, again, just add this. If you've never heard about spiritual gifts, maybe you're a Christian and this is the first time you've ever been in a church and anybody's ever talked about spiritual gifts. If that were to be the case, and that's not the situation for the Corinthian church, but if you have never heard about spiritual gifts, your spiritual gift could still be manifesting itself in your life. Because you don't need to know about the spiritual gifts in order for that gift that God has given you to be evident in your life. All you need to do is be abiding in Jesus. Abide in Christ and that gift as you are dependent and yielded to Jesus, that gift that God has given to you will be manifest in your life. And so that's one reason I think that a lot of churches, this being one, have not focused on the spiritual gifts. Because they are a consequence. We want to focus on the cause. Abide in Christ. And if you have whatever gift you have, as you abide in Christ, as we focus on Jesus and living a life that is honoring and dependent on Him, the gift will make itself known that you have. You don't need to focus on the gifts. Okay? That's one of the problems going on in the Corinthian church. They were focusing on gifts, and in particular, the gift of tongues. Big mistake. So, I don't want you to be unaware, not of, the, of gifts per se, but more what is true about them. Verse 2, you know that when you were pagans, they're not now, they may be acting like it, but they're not now, they're not unbelievers now. You were led astray to dumb idols. Now that kind of had to sting a little bit. Remember when you were pagans? Yeah. Well, you were pretty stupid. Okay, you were stupid pagans. Because you are worshiping dumb idols. That makes you what? Dumb. Okay, only dumb people worship dumb idols. Okay? And he said, and so that's smart. And so he's got, you know, he says, you may be, you may be Christians now, but that doesn't make you smart. And so he, so he says, in other words, it's almost like he's saying you're still a little stupid. 
here, and i got to talk to you about it. It reminds me of the famous quote by Billy Sunday. I have it written in the front of my uh, uh, Proverbs in my Bible. And he said, sinners can repent, but stupid is forever. And, um, and so I think that that's kind of, you could say that here, this chapter that Paul's saying that about the Corinthians here. Remember when you were pagans and you were led astray by those dumb idols because you were dumb? And he says, let me, I've got some things to say to you. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed. Now let's just stop. I just read the inspired word of God. Did I not? So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just wrote the words, Jesus is accursed. And yet he says, no one can say what I just wrote. So you see what's going on here. He's not saying that a Christian can't utter those words. Because Paul has just uttered those words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is accursed. So so we don't want to get so dumb, legalistic here, that we think, if you ever hear a Christian say those words, and that means it is he's not a Christian. That is not where Paul's going with this. No one speaking by the Spirit of God, and Paul speaking by the Spirit of God just says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So only if you ever hear a person say Jesus is Lord, then that means he's a Christian. Not necessarily. That is not where Paul's going with this. And lots of people will say Jesus is Lord. And they are liars. They, are, they do not necessarily have a personal relationship with Jesus. I believe that Paul is, he's simply saying, when it comes to, to spirituality, when it comes to spiritual gifts or anything else that represents itself as spiritual, the test, the true test, because what does spiritual mean? Literally, it just means it's of and from the Spirit. Okay? Why is it a spiritual gift? Because the Spirit gave the gift. Why are we spiritual people when we place our faith in Christ? Because we are born again by the Spirit. So something is spiritual because it is of the Spirit. So how do I know that this ministry, just some XYZ ministry, how do I know that ministry is a truly spiritual ministry? Step back and see what it's about. And if Jesus is front and center, if Jesus is the one that is exalted, not people and not even the Holy Spirit, but Jesus then that is a ministry that the Spirit is involved in. Because the Spirit is going to exalt Jesus. Jesus says, I am going to send another helper. And in John 16 says, and he will bear witness of me. He rejoices to make Jesus known. It is his eternal delight to speak of Jesus. I think it can even be argued it is the same delight that the Father has. Ultimately, everything's going to be to the glory of the Father. We understand that. But at least for this time, even the Father is all about Jesus. We read the Gospels, and even at His baptism, the Father is speaking from heaven and saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased.
on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my son, listen to him. All those miracles being performed by the Spirit were to point to the truth of who Jesus is. When the Spirit is in control, Jesus is exalted. It's a pretty easy test. So I have different times. I've, I've, I've asked people. I, I ask, I, I, just in, in introspection, I ask myself. I ask myself that about this church, about His Hill. What are we truly about? I can get on different hobby horses, as you can. It's different soapboxes about things. We all have that tendency. And I can tell you, one of the things that brings me back faster than anything else when I start to get on a soapbox or a hobby horse about something is, is this about Jesus? And if it's not, if it can be absolutely true. But if Jesus is not being exalted, if it is not bringing people to Jesus and bringing me to Jesus, then something's not right here. It's not, the test is not, is it true? The test is, is Christ being exalted? Because there's a lot of theological systems, they may be absolutely true, but are they bringing people to Jesus, and is Jesus the focus? Same thing with marks of spirituality. Who's being exalted? The person, maybe the spirit, or is it Jesus? I, don't, I think it's just that simple. This is the first thing to know about spiritual gifts. If Christ is not being elevated, if it isn't about Christ, run for the hills. Because this is not true spirituality. And then he says, verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. Spirit, Lord, God. The three persons of the Trinity. And so all three persons of the Trinity are involved in the gifts. But again, Christ is the one who's going to be exalted in true spirituality. And in the nature of the gifts, there is, there is diversity. So the one God who is three persons... There is unity and there is diversity. Wouldn't you expect the same to be expressed within the body of Christ? That you have unity, but we have diversity. One body, many gifts. And not only are there many gifts, varieties of gifts, but there are also varieties of ministries and varieties of effects. Now, I think those three things are one comes out of the other. So from the gift that God has given you, God wants to minister to other people, and from that ministry, there will be an effect in other people's lives. So the one leads to the next. So just by argument's sake here, say every person had the same gift. Not going to happen. When you say in Bernie Bible Church, every person, say, had the gift of evangelism, we would not all have the same ministry even though we all had the same gift. And even if we did, by argument's sake, all have the same ministry, so say we're all evangelists and we all have the ministry of leading um, American Indians to Christ. We all were involved in that. 
we would not all have the same effect in our ministry. And his point is, it's God's business. He's going to tell us very clearly, the Spirit determines who will get which gift. And that follows, the Spirit determines what ministry you will have from that gift. And which follows, the Spirit determines what effect that ministry will have in the lives of other people. We are by nature so competitive and so comparing of ourselves to others, right? And, and so whatever it is, you know, I'm, I'm the director of a torchbearer center. And what do we do? There's like 25 centers and, we're, and, and we, we would not ever admit it, but we're doing it. We're all comparing ourselves to each other, okay? And for a long time, 10, 15, 20 years, I'm thinking, are we the stepchild of torchbearers? I mean, we're just the forgotten center. Nobody talks about us. Nobody ever, you know, and oh, it's me, Eeyore, you know. And, 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 and then I get around to torchbearers and I talk to other directors and they go, you know, we're just the forgotten center. You know, we're, 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 we're the stepchild of torchbearers. And we're all feeling the same way. And then, we, and then we, we, we look at enrollments and we look at who's the most popular based on enrollment. And, and you go, it's, it's so pagan. It is so stupid. Because, again, the focus is not for a ministry attendance. The focus is not offerings. The focus is the person of Jesus Christ. And if anything else begins to be the focus, then we, we're off track. We've gotten off the rails. But Jesus Christ is to be the first and foremost. And as, as I am focused on Him, depending upon Him, there is a, a gifting that He's going to manifest in my life, a ministry He's going to bring from that, and an effect that that will have upon other people, and none of that am I in control of. It's what the Spirit of God has done as I've lived in dependence upon Jesus. So God gives a gift of evangelism to Billy Graham. And God may give the gift of evangelism to you. They are, you will not have the same ministry or the same effect to your ministry. And praise God we don't. But see, we, we start, this is where churches, we, we go, oh man. Because usually there's be some very gifted person or group of people and they start a ministry. And God is blessing that ministry. And so what's everybody else want to do? Copy it, right? Write a book about it. Get everybody else to do the same thing. And that is never what God intended. He wants there to be diversity, not only in the gifts, but diversity in the ministries and diversity in the effects. And this is meant to be totally the work of God and not because we are copying the methodology of somebody else in the ministry that God has given them. It's totally God's business. Then he begins to get into these gifts a little bit. But look what he says in, in verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's saying, saying a lot. To each one, every single Christian, no exceptions, is given... It's already done. This happens when you get the Holy Spirit. You get a manifestation of His presence. To each one is given the 
manifestation of the Spirit. And he's speaking of the gift that you've been given. That gift that you've been given is a visible um, manifestation of the presence of God in you. And now you feel, well, man, i got to let him out. No. He gave you that manifestation, and he will manifest that manifestation as we stay true to Jesus. You don't even have to try and work this gift out. He will, it is the manifestation, his manifestation of himself. That's what this gift is. We're not going to need this when we're in glory. So where Paul's headed with this is that these gifts are all temporary in nature. They are only for this time. But in glory, we're not going to need the gifts. But for this time only, God has given every Christian a manifestation of the Spirit of God who lives in him. When did you get the Spirit of God? At the very moment you placed your faith in Christ. And anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. Soon as you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. And at that very moment, you get a manifestation of His presence. That is what a spiritual gift is. If you've got the Spirit, you've got the manifestation of His presence. One is the same. Okay, you can't have one without having the other. You have the Spirit, you have the manifestation of His presence. And He has given you that gift, that manifestation of His presence for the common good. Think Corinthian carnality. Okay? It is not about you. It is about the whole body of Christ. The reason God has gifted you is not for you. God has gifted you in order for the, for the rest of the body to be blessed. For the good of the body. The common good. And then he gives some examples. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another is the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Again, one Spirit. God has done this. One Spirit, varieties of manifestations of the one Spirit. So, if, again, if, if everybody had the gift of knowledge, that would be a pretty miserable church to go to. If everybody had the gift of wisdom, if everybody had the gift of faith, you'd be just going, man, it, it just would be overwhelming. Especially if you were the one person who didn't have what everybody else had. But God in His wisdom has spread it around. And he, the Spirit of God manifests Himself differently, uniquely, in each life for the common good. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Now, I, don't you, we just wish Paul would have explained every bit of this. And he hasn't. What does the gift of wisdom mean? What does the gift of knowledge mean? We can grow in wisdom. We can grow in knowledge. Even if you don't have the gift of wisdom or have the gift of knowledge. Scripture says, ask for wisdom and God will give it. Scripture says, seek after God that you might know Him. Faith. We're all to be exercising faith. Not just some. Obviously, by faith we were saved. And we are to grow in faith. All of us. But there's some sense in which some people have uniquely been graced by God, gifted by God 
with wisdom or knowledge or faith or even gifts of healing. Most of the time when we talk about gifts of healing, the focus becomes the gifts of healing and not the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a problem. That doesn't necessarily mean the gift is not really a gift. It doesn't mean the healing didn't really take place. But what are we doing when a person is healed? Exalting the one who prayed? Or exalting Christ who healed? I have a friend that um, he had lung cancer. And he was pulling a, box of, a bottle of oxygen around with him everywhere he went. And he was sitting in a restaurant, minding his own business, having breakfast one day. And a guy walked up to him and never, didn't even introduce himself. Just said, you know, I, I, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, um, and he says, and, and I, God's given me a ministry just to pray for people for their healing. Do you mind if I pray for you? And the guy goes, sure. <laughs> Why would I be opposed to you praying for me? And so he just prayed for him right there in that restaurant. Walked away. Guy never even knew his name. And God healed him. He's not pulling around oxygen anymore. And, you know, God restored his cancer-stricken lungs. That's a miracle. But I kind of like that story because it didn't happen in a church. Nobody had to pay an entrance fee to go into that faith healing service. And the guy didn't even give his name because he didn't want it to be about him. And he never even stayed around to see if it happened or not. Just prayed for him. And Jesus gets all the glory. That's the way it's supposed to be. But some people would seem that God has given them the gift of praying for people and seeing them healed. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of the spirits or discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. We will get into some of these in a little more detail as we go through these three chapters. But here's the thing. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. Don't divide up the body of Christ over gifts when it's one Spirit who has given all the gifts. Don't try to make the body monolithic where everybody, because that again is divisive, when the Spirit has given a variety of gifts to His body. One and the same Spirit works all these things. To be clear, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Do you believe that? Where do spiritual gifts come from? The Spirit. Who decides what spiritual gift you will have? The Spirit does. When did he decide that? at the moment he came to indwell you. The church does not decide what gift you'll get. Now we'll look at some other parallel passages here. For example, where Paul says, um, stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of hands. There are passages like that. But that's written by the same guy who said here, it is the Spirit 
who determines who's going to get which gift. We don't determine it. And there's no contradiction between Paul saying, stirring up the gift which is in you through the laying on of hands, and what Paul has said, the gift giver is the Spirit, and you get the gift when you get the Spirit. We don't determine it. How do you know what gift you have? Paul never says. You can take a spiritual gifts test. I've done that a couple different times. You can get on the internet, just Google spiritual gifts test, and that's one way. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily accurate, but it might be helpful. Um, The problem with a spiritual gifts test like that is an unbeliever can take it and come out with a spiritual gift. And so you don't want to you know, sell a house based on that or something. Um, But you can know your spiritual gift. But as I've said, it's not that important to know it. It's important what you do with it. Don't let it become divisive in the body of Christ. Don't let it become the focus. Don't let it take you away from Jesus or take other people away from Jesus. But if you simply live in Christ, abide in Him, then the gift that God's given you is going to be manifest. But you can, I think, have a pretty good idea of what your spiritual gift is. What have you found, as you look over the course of your Christian life, what have you found that consistently motivates you? If you don't know the answer to that question, then ask your wife. Or ask your husband. Ask your kids. Because I guarantee, in every one of us, there is something that is constantly pushing us motivating us. If you're an administrator, you want everybody around you to get their life in order. Right? You see how things could be done better. One of my sons is an administrator. And he's functioning in his gift of administration. But there is nothing that he does, whether it's even playing basketball, that he can't see a better way of doing it. Praise God. But I'm so glad we don't have a lot of people gifted with administration. (laughs) It would drive us crazy. But that's been a constant motivation. And it will be probably for the rest of his life. Somebody else, they're constantly motivated to see people come to know Jesus. Gift of evangelism. You can have a pretty good idea of what your gift is by what is just there. You're not trying to, to flame it. You're not trying to to accentuate it. It is just there. There's just this slow burn that's in you all the time. Now, that will also probably be the area where you are most tempted to criticize other people because you are so motivated in that one area. So there'll be somebody with a strong gift of evangelism who, who will come to a church and go, What's, what's going on in this church to win the lost? Nothing's done, and, they, and they'll feel like that because nobody, nobody's ever witnessing as much as they're witnessing, right? And they go, we need to get with it. This needs to be, come on, let's get going. We need, we need to get this church witnessing. And they want to have programs. And there's nothing wrong with programs on how to share your faith. Nothing, nothing wrong with this. But because that is their motivation, they want everybody to be motivated like they're motivated. Just like the the gift of administration wants everybody to be organized like they're organized. And and so that, I think, is a good indication of what your gift is. But you need to pull back 
and realize not everybody's going to be motivated the way you're motivated. You can find another gift of evangelism and they'll be motivated like you. Everybody should be sharing their faith. Don't misunderstand me. Everybody should be motivated to see, want to see the gift, the lost saved. But a person with the gift of evangelism, man, they just live and breathe it. It is the first thought in the morning and the last thought when they lie down at night. And they want everybody else to be motivated just like they are. That's a pretty strong indication of what your gift is. Another thing is the affirmation of the body of Christ. What's the body been saying to you through the years? What is your gift? Mine is packing. I, I can pack a car. I can pack a trailer. Now that's not a spiritual gift. But the body of Christ has told me all through the years, man, if you ever want to move, bring in Charlie. Man, that guy can pack a truck, okay? I don't know what it is. I've got good spatial whatever it is. You know, I can see a piece of furniture, and I can go, that'll go in that space, and, and I, you know, I know how to pack. There's nothing in the Bible that says that's a spiritual gift. I hope it's not a spiritual gift. I was teaching at a Bible school one time, and a girl came up to me afterwards. I've told this story before, and, and she said, Charlie, I'm, I'm just so thankful that God sent you here. And I go, really? okay, you know, I'm starting to pat myself on the back a little bit. And, and, and she said, um, I haven't been able to sleep for weeks until you came. And ever since you've been here, I've been sleeping soundly through the night. And she was being just dead serious. I mean, she felt like God had healed her, you know, of sleeplessness. And I'm going, great, my spiritual gift is putting people to sleep. <laughs> I had a guy tell me one time after I'd, I'd preached in a funeral, at a funeral, and he came up to me and said, man, it is just so encouraging to see people functioning in their area of giftedness. I'm going, the gift of doing funerals? <laughs> I didn't know that was a gift. Not sure I want that gift. But it's not up to us whether we want it or not. And I'm not saying that's a gift. But I am saying the body of Christ will consistently, as you live in Christ, that's the key, live in Christ. As you live in Christ, the body of Christ is going to affirm how you've been gifted. Because it's just going to be there. You're not trying to do it. You're just living in Christ, and the body of Christ is going to be... You might have the gift of encouragement. And, you know, we, we joke about Max having the gift of being a church greeter. Um, but really, it would be the gift of encouragement. And, and the body of Christ will, will consistently confirm, affirm. So here's some things, just briefly, to think about. When it comes to spiritual gifts, they are, are, they are from the Spirit. That's what makes them spiritual. They are manifestations of His presence. They will bring attention to Christ, the head of the body. And if that's not happening, then that spiritual gift, and I'm not questioning that, it, that it's not from God, but if that spiritual gift is not bringing attention to Jesus, if it's bringing attention to you, or to the Spirit, or to anything else, then that spiritual gift is not being used by the Spirit. Because the Spirit is going to bring attention to Jesus. The spiritual gifts are for the common good of the body. It isn't just about us. The list is not complete. We need these gifts 
It points us to our need for the body of Christ. They are all temporary. We won't have them in the glorified state. Yet we don't have to know about them and don't need um, to focus on them in order for them to be expressed through us. The carnal and immature Christian, the, the fleshly Christian who is not abiding in Christ, can still be exercising a spiritual gift. We'll have more to say about that. There are varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, varieties of effects, great diversity. And as we yield to the Lord and we are spirit-filled people, that is not going to go away. It will just be accentuated. Varieties of gifts, ministries, and effects because the Spirit is having His way. And yet there's unity, great unity in all of it as the Spirit again is having His way. It's a supernatural life. It really is. We shouldn't focus on the supernatural. Again, our focus is Jesus. But there is no accounting for the body of Christ and how the Spirit of God works through it. It is truly supernatural. But the Holy Spirit, who is an actual person, is alive in every person who has placed his faith in Christ. And that person, the Holy Spirit, is manifesting himself in every Christian. If we let him. And when he does, Jesus will always be exalted. And it will be for the good of the body of Christ. I'll close this in prayer. Lord Jesus, I do thank you for all that you are to us. In you we are lacking in nothing. And yet, God, you, you minister to us through your body and through your word. And we thank you for that. I pray that in our our devotion to Jesus, that we would never minimize the importance of either your word or your body, the church. And that we would see, God, that in our need for you, we need your word and we need your people. We thank you for the manifestation of the spirit who indwells us that you've given to each of us. And I pray increasingly, Lord Jesus, that you would be exalted in all that you've given us and that our flesh would not mess up what you've intended to be for your glory and praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.